So if I was starting today as a new solo, I would do entrepreneurial aspect. Change the way they're practicing. Leader, analyze. said they've done it earlier. help young lawyers. Starting a small firm. What it means to be fulfilled. Make it easy to work with your clients. New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap, making that leap, making that How often do you say, Google my business? Probably not as often as you should. And you're going to learn why during this episode with my guest, Guy Sakalakis. Google My Business has become a noun, a verb, a goal, and a mission all at once. So I've invited Guy Sakalakis back to the new solo podcast. He was just on a couple of months ago talking to us about the ABA Tech Show and a couple of other things. But Guy is an expert marketing genius for lawyers and law firms. He has his own podcast. I'm going to ask him to tell us about that. But first, I'm going to say, hey, Guy. Hey, Adriana. Thanks so much for having me and for those kind words. Really appreciate chatting with you. You're welcome. I wanted to do a Google My Business deep dive because I have to tell so many new and um, experienced attorneys about Google My Business. And I just feel like it's so critical. So I immediately thought, well, I thought of my three or four favorite marketing experts. And I realized that I had not had you on the show by yourself. I've had your buddy Conrad on. And I thought I'd give you a little love because I think you deserve it, even though you keep beating me at chess and I'm getting super annoyed about that. By the way, <laughs> listeners, I know we've got, we go through a lot of hobbies with Adriana Linares. We've had the plants, we've had the polymer clay, we've had the wine, which we still have. And now I'm picked up my old habit of trying to learn how to play chess and Guy and I are playing on an app and he's beating me all the time. But thankfully I'm not a sore loser. I just try to learn. Well, I'm, I just enjoy the game. So no, it's a lot of fun. Okay. So Guy, tell us a little bit about yourself, even though you were just on, but someone may have missed that episode. I encourage them to go back and find it. And then also tell us about your podcast, because I think a lot of the stuff you cover is incredibly relevant and helpful to new solar listeners as well. Sure. So I was a uh, trial lawyer at a small plaintiff's firm uh, when I started my career. Uh, it was a very brief career. Uh, I'd always had a kind of an entrepreneurial itch and uh, technical background. I jumped around from computer science major to philosophy major to law school. You know, so there was that. And then in 2008, we thought, hey, you know what? We could do good work helping lawyers navigate some of this internet mumbo jumbo. And so we founded Attorney Sync. So we've been doing that since 2008. And, attorney um, Sync. Attorney S Y N C. Terrible branding. It's con we constantly get the you know, Sync is it S I N K? You know, right. That it's okay. kind of thing. I just want to make sure everyone Inc. knows it's. Oh yeah. Just search my name. Just that. search my name. Oh, because that's so much easier to spell. Right, exactly. Lucky's. Exactly. <laughs> so we've been doing that for a while, and um, yeah, we just you know I uh, lawyers are my people. I love helping them. I, this internet stuff can be a little bit uh, challenging, but I think it's fun because there's always new problems to solve, as we'll talk about today. And uh, hey, people are using the internet to find and hire lawyers and look for answers to their life legal questions. And the big place they do that is Google. Yeah, I think Google might have a future. It might make it. Maybe. You know, it's a scrappy startup. They offer a free service for businesses. It is literally called Google My Business. Well, Just that's my first, my first uh, breaking news tip oh, here. They rebranded it. It's uh, Google Business Profiles now. So, you know, they've, they've rebranded it a ton of times. It was Google Places, and it was Google Local, right. Google My Business, Google Business Profiles. But yes, the short version is it's the free tool that Google provides to list your business right on Google. And why is it important? 
Because when you search for anything modified by lawyer, law firm, attorney, lawyers, combinations thereof, or and or uh, searches on your name or your name plus attorney or your firm name or any, you know, what marketing people would call branded queries below the ads, because remember, Google still has got to has to make money. So they put the ads first. Uh, but right below those ads is usually for a non-branded search, like something with attorney, there's a little box that's got three little listings with a map and it shows firm names, addresses, hours of operation, uh, call, contact information, frequently asked questions. We'll go through each one of those. And then for searches on your name, it serves up this huge real estate called a knowledge panel or a one box. But if you just do a yeah. search on your name, it's that giant box on the right-hand side. It's got a pictures, map, all sorts of information about your firm, reviews, yada, yada, yada. But point being, it's huge real estate for people searching for lawyers and people searching for your name, trying to decide if they should contact you. So to be clear, it connects to the maps on Google Maps. Is that correct? So yeah. my first question to you is going to be, what if I work from home and I don't want my home address on there? Because you do have to go through a verification process. So everyone, if you haven't done this yet, you're going to Google the words, Google my, no, it's not Google my business anymore. It's, it's still probably come up for Google my business, but Google yeah, business it will, profile. It will. Or just, if you just do Google business, it's google.com forward slash business is the URL. They didn't change that. So that was nice. I go there. It's probably going to say, claim my profile. And then I'm going to start to fill out the the form, which we'll talk about in a second. But one of the important things is you have to have a physical address because they send you a postcard in the mail to confirm that this is where you're located. So my very first question off the top is, what do I do if I work from home? So I got some bad news for you because uh, in Google's world, you have to have a physical office location in order to participate. So Google views, this is the thing lawyers can't stand this because they're like, well, look, I serve all my clients online. I don't have, I don't have any in-person meetings. Uh, you know, I'll meet at a coffee shop, but I don't have an office. I'm for all virtual. And for, for Google business profiles, in Google's world, that is not a local business from their perspective. And so therefore, this whole program, this whole tool isn't, you're not really eligible for it. There's a thing that you can do with service area businesses, but that's a different thing. And I would say, probably not worth having the bulk of our conversation around. So the short version is you got to have an office location. Google actually has a bunch of guidelines about how to actually do this. And so I would even, even if you go to the google.com forward slash business, they, they have resources and FAQs and all this stuff. So you can walk through that. But the short version is you want to search to see if Google already has a listing for you because they might already have created a listing automatically, uh, even if mm. you haven't claimed it and you don't want to create a duplicate. So search for to see if your firm name your name, uh, have listings. And then, uh, as you mentioned, you just go there, create your profile, fill out as much information as you can, make sure it's accurate. And the other rule is you get a Google business profile listing for every physical office location and for every practitioner. So if you're a solo, you get, if you have a physical office, you get one for your physical office and you get one for as a practitioner listing. But if you don't have a physical office, you can't really play this game. Now, but maybe there's a cheat or a hack, or I won't call it either of those because those sound like we're doing something wrong and we're not. An optimization. What if I, an optimization opportunity. Yes. What if I get my mail at my local bar association or perhaps like my live-in lawyer have a monthly subscription to Regis, which is like, you know, uh, or it's actually, um, I think it's called Spaces. Spaces. But anyway, so maybe you're paying for a, shared address or a delivery 
location, can I use my bar association address? But then how do I make sure it's not the same address as the other lawyer that's using the business? I mean, yes. the bar association. So talk to us a little bit about shared office spaces or WeWork, for example. Yes. So generally, Google doesn't love them. The shared office spaces will I'm getting work. really mad at Google right now. I know. So I, far I, 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 always, I always break people's hearts about this. They get so excited. Yeah. And they're like, this doesn't fit my business model. I don't understand. I'm like, well, you call Google up because I, there's nothing I can do about this. But short version is co-working spaces will work intermittently. I always tell people, if you're going to do like a prioritization, say, say that you don't fit in this like perfect world where you have your own office, your own lease, your own building, whatever. Start here. First, try to share a, a ad, an address with a location that doesn't offer legal services because Google uh. will do this filtering thing where it's like, well, there's a bunch of lawyers here. We're only going to show a couple lawyers on the map. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want to show all the same lawyers at the same location. So this is especially true if you're like in downtown. Or, or the other thing I tell people too is if you're doing strategic planning, you're opening a new office or you're moving. This is a great time to start thinking about these things as you choose a new office location. But if you're going to do shared, share with a non-law firm, real physical office. Yes, question, Adrian. Hands up. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I can think of one of my favorite clients who is in the Northwest and he works from home, takes all his clients online, but his wife runs a catering company. So she has a physical location and it's a, a business, a commercial address. So under those circumstances, what are you suggesting? So you could, that I would use that. You can use that address. You should put, mm. he, should, he or she uh, should put signage up that there is a that the offer the law firm is operating there because sometimes there's some gotcha stuff where like uh, we've seen it gets in, it gets nasty and legal but uh, competitors will go and try to get listings suspended by taking pictures of shared office uh, places outside and saying there's no signage that office isn't there <laughs> it gets crazy so, so put some put a sign up say your you know list your the firm's uh, name there make sure that someone's answering a phone number that can say, this is our address. Yes, yeah, we share okay. this with it. Um, so that's the ideal. As a fallback, though, you might consider, I wouldn't do the bar association thing. I think there's just too much risk of filtering for that. But, um, you know, as a fallback co-working space, so if, especially if you're in a WeWork where there's no other law firms and other businesses like that, I've seen WeWorks intermittently work. Again, you want to have some signage. You want to be able to answer the. The key is that you've got. You can tell that the business is there, so there's a sign or something on the door in front, and then two that someone will answer the phone and say, "This is the law firm. This is the lawyer's office," because those are the ways, as you mentioned, the Google will verify those listings. But I, you know, home offices, PO box numbers, those are all off. Those are no good, no bueno. And um, shared office space is a fallback uh, if it's a co-working space. But really, if you're going to do shared, share with another business that's not a law firm. You know, an accounting firm, other professional service mm -hmm. provider firm, mm -hmm. those are great. But, you know, if, you're, if you share, I see a lot of lawyers will say, oh, I have another lawyer who does bankruptcy. I do criminal offense. Can I share with them? And it's like, you can, mm. but you got a risk of filtering. So You can't have the exact same address, or can you? Or should I, if I go to my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm going to use your address, put a little sign in the window that says, you know, this is my official office space. Can I be a half or a suite number B? Or do I need some differentiator that's not the literal exact same address? That used to be a thing. I don't think it's as much of a thing anymore. So oh, I mean, if you want to carve out a suite, you can, but I don't really think you need to. I think the, okay. if you're doing the shared, I think just like the regular address location with some signage and answering the phone, I think you're good to go. Can you use, oh, you can't use your PO box, so you couldn't use like a UPS station. Okay. No, that's a really unfortunate one. It seems like that's You've a natural one they should allow, but they don't. Although you can't really, what are you going to be like, hey, client, meet me at the 
the package store on the corner of Maine and that's their first. that's that's <laughs> Google's position too, there. right? They're like yeah. they're like we want to represent the real world, and so by saying you're there, you're setting expectations with consumers that you're there. You're really not. It's just a post office box. All right, let me go real quick. What I'm going to do is look at my Google my profile. I mean okay. my that's business okay if profile. you call it that. Yeah, I'm going to just call it that for now, guys. But we still the, 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 the industry people are still calling it Google My Business a lot of times. So I mean, I'm just, yeah, I just I started, finally got from Office 365 to Microsoft 365. <laughs> this one's going right. to take a minute. All right. So you go to google.com forward slash business. You fill out the basic information, including a unique and approved sort of address. You fill out your phone number. A uh, question for you about phone numbers, which I've also heard. Do you want to be consistent across your... Facebook address and phone number, your Instagram address and phone number, your Yelp, all that stuff. What if I have a phone number that I use specifically for one type of lead versus another? Importance of phone numbers. Great question. So there's this concept called NAP, which stands for name, address, and phone location. It's not what it stands for in my world. Right. (laughs) Mine either. The uh, but na- there's this idea that you want to have what you're alluding to, which is NAP consistency, meaning that your f- business name, your address, and your phone number are consistent all across the web. And Google has historically used this as like um, an indication of you know maybe relevance or prominence, one of the factors they use to uh, show listings. Now, as you mentioned, a lot of people will say, well, I want to use like a dedicated call tracking number to know the calls that are coming from Google Business Profile versus other listings which is a great idea, by the way, and what I recommend. So here's what I would suggest you do. Number one, for all the major business sites, so Yelp, Facebook page, all the local, they call them the local ecosystem sites. These are the sites that Google uses the business data, scrapes it, tries to look for consistency. Use your name, address, and local phone number. There's another thing too, people don't realize like they use like their toll-free number or a vanity Mm. number. That'll screw up this whole thing. However, In Google Business Profile, they give you two different phone fields, a primary and an alternative. We have historically, local SEO people like me said, you can't screw up map consistency. If you mess with this at all, you're going to be taking a risk of being of not ranking. But a few years ago, we really started noticing that if you use a tracking number, a dedicated tracking number in your primary phone number in Google Business Profile, and your real local phone number as the alternative, Mm. you get the best of both worlds because Google will maintain nap consistency off the alternative and then show the primary number. So the primary number is the one that's going to show up and get called and get called on the click-to-calls, but you can use nap consistency. But don't use call tracking numbers in the local ecosystem you know, don't have a, diff- a different Facebook page and a different, Yel- or a different Facebook number, Yelp number, everything number, be- especially on those local data sites. Because if you do, that will uh, mess up nap consistency. I will say this, nap consistency, in my estimation of it, is not as powerful of a ranking factor as it used to be. But you still don't want to mess around too much with it, especially in competitive practice area and location, so that uh, you know, every little bit counts, helps. Okay. Two questions. Don't let me forget to ask you about ranking factor in just a minute, but just back to the address and the phone number. Is it as sensitive as CIA law firm comma LLC versus CIA law firm? No LLC. Like, do I really want to be? Okay. Yeah. And I always tell people go to whatever your business, whatever your firm's registered with your state bar, start there. Uh, because ah, that is one of the okay. ways that they'll validate. Uh, if you've registered your firm with your state's business licensing, 
ideally your state bar registration, your business licensing, and your Google business profile, and, and really your firm name everywhere else are, are all matching the same. The other thing that comes up with the business name question is trade uh, names. And so some jurisdictions allow trade names, others don't. I will say this, people hate this, but keywords in trade names makes a big impact on your visibility in Google business profiles. So if you're allowed to use a trade name and you register your firm with your state bar under that trade name and you register your firm with your state licensing body uh, with that trade name and use your Google business profile, you're technically compliant with Google's rules and you're technically compliant if you allow a jurisdiction that allows the trade name. And those rank really, really well, which is why if you do a search for like personal injury lawyer in Los Angeles, you'll see likely if even if people are listening to this right now and do that, they're probably going to see a bunch of lawyers, law firms pop up that have some variation of personal injury lawyer, injury attorney in their firm names, in their business names. And that's what you mean by a trade name. It's not just your first name, last name, or all your partner's name. It includes a description of the type of law firm that you are. Right. Okay. And if you do that, if you update it in Google, but you don't update it with the state bar, you got to run yourself all sorts of troubles, not only with Google, but, you know, arguably you're not, you know, that could technically be a false and misleading advertising thing because you're not actually operating under the name that you're registered with the bar with. So get that stuff all squared away. And if my law firm name is my actual name, Adriana Linares, law firm of Adriana Linares, is there anything... I should know or consider about that, or that's just the business name and Google will like that. That's the business name. It's fine. If you wanted to uh, try to optimize a little bit, you might change it to your name and then the specific type of law that you practice. So if you're like, you know, change it to family law firm or divorce lawyer or personal injury lawyer, getting the category uh, practice area category in there, I think helps probably more than just law firm, but even law firm gives Google a nudge. But again, there's, you know, there's more, you know, I'm giving every, all my answers here are through the, just the lens of Google business profile. Yeah. There are obviously business considerations you want to make because if you give, if you create a long, complicated name, it's not as memorable, it's not as good for branding, it's not hard as catchy, spell. hard to Easy spell. Easy to mistype. Exactly. So there's, this isn't just as simple as like, oh, well, Guy said Google business profile, make a long keyword rich name. Just trying to give you some guidance on some things to think about when you're setting this up. Okay. One last question before our first break. You mentioned the term ranking factor, which... I know it's a nebulous term and nobody can define it and nobody can point to it, but could you just explain generally what you mean by ranking factor and why it's important to Google sure. or how so, Google uses it? I think Google is the inventor of the term ranking factors. Yeah, I think in this context, they, they definitely own it. Um, but I wonder if that's a good question, actually. I don't know the answer to that, but uh, they've been around a while. So anyway, short version is Google uses hundreds of different signals, factors, to decide how to rank search results. In the context of Google Business Profile, there are three major factors that Google has communicated that they use. The first Get your is pencils rele- out, everybody. This is, and you can look this up too, uh, how to list your business on Google. Google has documentation. Google actually has a lot of great documentation yeah, on this Yeah, they stuff. really want to help you. So They're trying. So you can do it deep dive with that whole support page and get lost for a long time. Okay. Three things. Number one. Three things versus relevance. So relevance is how closely the business matches the search query. So if you're in, uh, if I'm in Chicago and I search personal injury lawyer, Google's going to say, okay, in our index of all of these businesses, which ones are relevant? And it's going to be a, uh, 
you know, all the ones that might, you know, maybe it's they have that in their name or their description or, uh, you know, they've got uh, the, the categories set to that and the FAQs and reviews all talking personal injury stuff. So that's relevance. How, how, does, it, how does it match, essentially? Second is distance. And distance, not much you can do about. This is uh, where the person is searching from or mm. what they're searching for. So again, if I modify my search with Chicago, Google wants to serve up Chicago results and Google's getting really good at identifying the location of users, even without geo modification. So even if you don't include Chicago in your search query, even if you search a personal injury lawyer, but you're in Chicago, it'll still show Chicago results. Mm -hmm. And really, they're trying to show results a lot of times within a mile, you know, especially in a crowded downtown area. It's really, really hyper local. So it's very difficult. Say you're in the burbs. You think you're going to rank for uh, the major metro and your office isn't located there. You're just not. You're probably so. not. Mm -hmm. So not much you can do about that except move your location or be strategic about where you open new locations. But you're going to show up. You're going to likely, if you do all this stuff right, you're going to start ranking well, uh, very in close proximity to where your office locations are. But beyond that, probably not. So that sounds like a great opportunity for more rural attorneys to localize their businesses. And I, and I know that there are a lot of them out there who are trying to service a more rural area, you know, get more land, live more free, have more space for my kids. So that actually sounds like an opportunity for those types of practices. Huge opportunity, a lot less uh, competition. And of course, the trick is, is you, you know, if you're really out in the middle of nowhere, you've got to figure out where you want to plop your office location because that's yeah. going to still, all those things I talked about with locality are going to make a difference. And so the good news is though, if there are no other lawyers near you, you're likely going to get a lot of reach. And so we see that yeah. a lot in uh, places that aren't very competitive. So that's a good Excellent. tip. Okay. Number three. Number three. And this is where we make all our money. This is prominence. So prominence is, it's a combination of stuff, but a uh, short version is it's traditional SEO factors, so it's links to your page, it's um, you know articles written about you, mentions, it's review sentiment. Uh, this is another one that lawyers get frustrated about because they'll say my competitors, big firms, have got a lot of reviews in their Google Business profile. I can't get that many reviews. My clients, you know, they're they're not ready to go jump online and talk about how awesome I was helping them get off on their DUI. But that's a factor. It plays a role. The reviews uh, play a role, and so anything you can do to impl influence the prominent stuff. You know, getting you know, it's digital PR, people talking about you, people writing about you, taking on leadership positions in local uh, relevant mm -hmm. organizations, all yeah. that kind of jazz. That's what drives the prominence factor. And for, for what we do when we consult, most of our work goes into prominence because it's kind of table stakes to fill out your profile, to get everything you can in there, to be updating your profile, to be adding posts, images, videos, all this stuff. The heart, the gatekeeper stuff is the prominence factor. So it's all the stuff that's going on around the web that Google uses to show your results. Does that include things like your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter? I mean, is that part of that relevance factor? Just because you have those links alive and maybe they're all pointing back to your, your Google My Profile that's cross-referencing your website? Yeah, what I always say is the more information you can feed Google about your business, the better. So having validated profiles across social media sites, legal directories, uh, legal organizations where you might take a leadership role, you know, speaking engagements, interviews, news sites, wherever you can get some uh, publicity online, that stuff all plays a role. Now, SEO people will fight about whether those are direct ranking factors or indirect ranking factors. It doesn't really matter to me. It's semantic. The point is, the more information Google has about your business, 
in variety sources, the more likely your listings to show for more queries, in my view. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break, listen to some messages from some sponsors and come back. I have so many questions. So many. We'll be right back. Like it or not, remote client communications are here to stay. In fact, more and more clients are demanding this over in-person office visits. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. It's not surprising that at least 83% of law firms already have technology in place to communicate with clients virtually, because that's what clients want. When it comes to communication, our data shows that there's an increasing preference for video calls, email, secure client portals, and other remote options because they give clients the utmost flexibility to work with legal professionals. So why not give clients what they want? For more information on how clients prefer to communicate with legal professionals, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends. Okay, I'm back with Guy Sakilakis from Attorney Sync. Guy, we forgot to mention your podcast with Conrad. Oh, yes. I'm a very uh, grateful co-host of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Uh, I think we're putting that out every two weeks. Conrad and I, who are friendly competitors, talk shop. Indeed. uh, And prod each other and try to stump each other. But we like to think we bring our A-game to those conversations. So check us out. We're on YouTube, too. We have clips and outtakes on YouTube because we think we're hilarious. You guys are hilarious. You're incredibly (laughs) informative. You're very generous with your knowledge and time. And attorneys, this is where you want to go to learn about internet marketing. So definitely go and subscribe. But don't leave New Solo. No. And Guy, go ahead and plug New Solo next time you and Conrad are having one of those fun conversations. Absolutely. Um, I forgot to ask you earlier when we were talking about directories and stuff, um, is Moz, M-O-Z, still a thing? Moz is a thing. So Moz started as a, really it started as an SEO consulting company, but then they became a software mm-hmm. company uh, and they have a variety of tools that are SEO tools. They also have a uh, this service that helps you populate citations called Moz Local. Yeah. So Moz is a thing. Great. Also great. If you want to, if this is brand new to you and you listen to this and you're like, I have no idea what these people are talking about, but it sounds important. Head to Moz's uh, learning center. I think it's one of the better learning resources for SEO. Awesome. Uh, just get the straight information without a lot of marketing gobbledygook. So check it out. I think the reason Moz was important to me a million years ago is I do my own website. I do my, everything is me. So I tend to, you know, just dig in sometimes. I think Moz is the one that would give me a report of the consistency of my name across the directory. So was LaTeX Partners, Inc. Was it there? Was it not? Was the phone number the same? And it might have even given me a report on whether or not where it was listed had the HTTPS or the HTTP without the S. So I was able to, many years ago, make sure that I was consistent. And that's where I learned about the importance of that. So I think Moz has some free resources, and then you can pay, I think, a nominal amount per year for some of its um, more deeper resources. So that's another tool to add to your toolkit, attorneys, and those of us that support attorneys. Okay. I want to keep going down the Google My Business profile. So when you go to create your profile, you have to add all that basic information. It wants you to add photos and services, and it has a cool side Well, and I say side because it has a bookings capability, which I think is most often used for things like hairstylists and nail salons where you can book an appointment, but 
that's something that I think attorneys would want to turn on. So can you kind of go through and maybe talk about what things are important here are more important, but don't talk about reviews yet. Cause I'm going to save that for last. Cause I'm sure that's really important. Cool. So the first uh, business information field is your business name. We talked about that. Make sure it's your accurate name. Uh, the second is the business category. This is probably the second most important one. Uh, and you get a primary category and then you have a bunch of uh, secondary categories. It used to be people worried about this thing called category dilution. So they'd only put their primary because They didn't want to dilute the power of the primary. Uh, that's been mostly debunked at this point. So uh, pick your most specific biggest part of your practice. You know, a lot of uh, general uh, practice attorneys will say, well, you know, I do all sorts of different stuff. The problem is if you just pick law firm, you're going to show up for all sorts of stuff that you might not intend. Uh, this Again, this is one of those business decisions. My, yeah. I usually say best practice, pick the one that's going to be your primary business category and then put your alternative ones below that. But anyway, that's, that's an important one. It's one of those where it doesn't quite match the real world. They don't give you like multiple business categories. Yeah. But, but I say be more specific than more general. The more general you are- Pick your favorite child. Pick your favorite one. That's right. Question for you. If I have a niche, mm -hmm. like let's say I do have a, a, a general personal injury, but I also do pet trusts, just kind of niche. Would you suggest picking a niche over a really popular category or go still popular category, secondary as my niche? So you have to pick a, they're like the categories that Google actually. Oh, has, they give you. Yeah, okay, they don't yeah, have, yeah. So they probably don't have that. Now, if you, if it lines up. That they, they should. That you're, yeah, Every I know. pet should have a trust. Well, and they've allowed, uh, they've allowed custom categories in the past. And in fact, they go back huh. and forth about that. So, uh, but I would say this primary category, your most specific one that populates on Google's list. Uh, then I would do a bunch of alternatives that maybe are uh, relevant or a little bit more niche. But. If you can add a custom category, I might add that as like maybe your last alternative category, uh, if you can get it in there. But off the top of my head, I'm not sure if uh, as of right now, they're allowing custom categories. I think they're not, but- um, No, I'm looking at it now yeah. and I can't put legal technology consultant. I can yeah. only be a consultant. Okay, so go ahead. Then the description comes next. Description's next. You know, I kind of think of the description as your uh, elevator pitch. Uh, the mm -hmm. keywords in here don't matter so much. This is more for when people see it. What types of things can you put in there that might make you stand out from competitors? So maybe some of your uh, unique value propositions, three uniques, that kind of stuff. Um, you don't get a lot of space, so really focus on those things that really matter to folks. Um, your opening date. This is another one that's a, a kind of important one. So a question comes up like, do I put in the date that I was licensed or the date that I founded my firm if those aren't the same things? So... The reason this matters, I don't have a great answer for that. I think it's in your best interest to go back as far as you can because it populates your years in business on your profile. Mm -hmm. And obviously experience matters to legal services consumers. And so if you've been practicing for 25 years and you started your a new firm yesterday, you, you're kind of in this conundrum of like, is my opening uh. date my new firm or is it the day I got licensed? And so for me on a practitioner page, it's a no-brainer. It's the yeah. day you got licensed. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yep. Business page, you know, the, the hardcore uh, legal ethics people might say, well, it's misleading to say that you opened your firm, uh, you know, 25 years ago on your business listing. You know, do, do I think that the state bars are cracking down on this? No, I don't. Do I think there's a case to be made that, you know, I've been in business doing this for as long as I've been practicing? I think there is. Uh, but that's just something to think about. Could be a, uh, an issue for you. Next to the contact information, you got phone numbers. Again, primary number should be a call tracking number. Uh, secondary number should be your alternative local phone number. With call tracking numbers, uh, you get into this like, should I use my local phone versus a toll-free phone? 
Uh, the arguments for local are people match area codes. They want it. Really matters in a lot of contexts, legal services consumers mm. that you're close to them. And so if they, if you are not true in every area, but I can think of a bunch of different regions off the top of my head where it's like people know, like I want someone in this particular area code. So if you show, if you don't show that, or you show a different one. They might not be as willing to contact you. I, I'm usually more of like put the toll-free number as the primary because I think people are uh, accustomed to seeing toll-free numbers. But for those, you're going to give up those that are actually looking for the local. But I always feel like they can mm. see the address. They can click through. They can see some other things, uh, know your location. What happens if I move? Oh, boy, we could do a whole thing on that. You got to redo okay. all this stuff and it's a mess and it breaks Ugh. and you got to update all your so citations. and Don't move. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pain. Um, so yeah, then you got website. So website, you can put your main URL in there. As you mentioned, you can. There's an appointment URL. I always put uh, UTM parameters, so you can write that down. Eh? Yeah. Guess what say? It's a bunch of gobbledygook that you put at the end of the URL, but it tells Google Analytics and Google Search Console that someone clicked through from your Google Business profile. So we're big on like hold your marketing accountable, and if you want to actually measure how many people clicked from your Google business profile through to your website. That's the way to do that. But you've got to have a Google analytics pay uh, account to be able to set that up. Oh, or but search console is the big one. Search console is big. Because search search, yes. Okay. Search console will show you the specific queries and impressions and clicks and stuff by keyword. Uh, and if you put this gobbledygook on the end of it, this UTM parameter, it'll show you, it'll isolate the ones that came from your local pack, uh, your Google business profile one versus your traditional organic. And so that way you can say, hey, I can, I can validate that I'm getting calls and form fills and consultations and fees directly from, from clicks. Source. Exactly. And so that's super right. valuable. Um, okay. So all of those who are nerding out on this, you got to also set up your analytics and your console, and then you might have to hire Guy at some point because this gets pretty, pretty in the weeds but it's incredibly important. So, okay, UTM, you the man. Yep. So business hours. Business hours. Yeah, can we talk about that? Because I heard, it may have been someone on New Solo who gave us a tip that said, if you have an answering service that actually answers your phone 24 hours a day, a Ruby, a Smith, an Abby, an anybody, you, if you like to answer phone calls at two o'clock in the morning for somebody who's been wrongfully incarcerated, and you put, and it actually gets answered, that is a, an important Google ranking factor. So I would say, I wouldn't call it a ranking factor, but here's the, it's a, to me, it's a conversion factor. And the reason is oh. because if someone searches outside of the hours of your business hours, Google will show that your office is closed. So it'll mm -hmm. show, you'll show business one, 24 hours open, call now. And then there's your office, it says closed. And then the next business says 24 hours. Well, who do you think they're going to call? You think they're going to call the closed offense, right? So they're not. And so- No, they're not. It's a great tip. And the the basic guide the guidance on this, I think you already mentioned it, but I'll just kind of uh, hammer yeah. it home, is do. you got to be able to answer the phone. So if you use a virtual receptionist, make sure that they are uh, trained to say, yes, we, take, uh, we can take client inquiries 24 hours a day. This is where we're located. Some people will uh, educate their virtual services uh, with a little local maps because sometimes Google will try to uh, see if it's mm -hmm. legitimate and they'll say, hey, is there a Starbucks across the street? And you can be like, yes, there is. So <laughs> answer some basic questions. Does Google know if you've answered the phone? It's a great question. So they know if you, if you get an inquiry. It's so creepy, the things they know. If, well, if you get an inquiry through your messaging, there's a messenger portion to all this. 
they do know, and they will actually publish how responsive you are. So they'll say things mm-hmm. like usually responds within 30 minutes or usually doesn't respond. So that's that can be a bad look. The phone thing's an interesting one because if you're using a call tracking number, that's not a it's not a Google number. They have no way of really knowing. The only thing that they do know would be if someone clicks on your mobile click to call. So the uh-huh. you know on the profile there's a mobile click to call button. Arguably Google could could maybe know Actually, I don't even think they could know. They can know the percentage of people who click the mobile click to call. Now, if you use a Google number or if you're talking about local services ads, like these are Google ads, phone numbers, then yes, they know. And in fact, this is another conversation. Maybe Conrad and I can come back about talk about local services ads, but local services ads, which are pay per lead. If you don't mark the inquiry as booked or not qualified or whatever, we believe Google takes that in consideration in your ad rotation. And so... Google wants to, remember, Google makes money off ads. So they want more of those ads to turn into answered calls because that means that they're going to get paid for the lead versus if they show your ad Mm. and you don't answer the phone and you try to refund the lead, they're not going to get paid. So Amazing. Yeah. Let's get through the profile before we take our our next break. I want to start a business, Guy, Mm -hmm. where all I do is update holiday hours for local businesses because nothing pisses me off more then when I want a king cake and it says it's open and then I drive there and it's not. So how important is making sure your holiday hours are set? And by the way, it's not hard. Google sends you annoying emails. It says, hey, Martin Luther King Day is coming up. Are your hours correct? And people do not fill these out. And I think this should be a major factor in diminishing returns on Google hits. I agree with you. It's super annoying for me too. I think so. Yes. Keep those, keep everything up to date. That's one of the biggest issues that we see, whether it's a closed office location or the hours aren't right, or they didn't update a phone number or, you know, they change service offerings or the attorney's not at the firm anymore. That's the stuff that creates all sorts of problems because it creates problems for legal services consumers. It makes them frustrated. It also yeah. creates problems with Google. And so, yeah, the answer is, you got to keep this up. This should be part of your marketing people. If it's you, right. part of your regular maintenance, right? The same maintenance, Just same as autoresponders or vacation on email, same thing. Right. Hop on there. Keep oh, that's updated. a good reminder. If you're turning an autoresponder on, you know, go check. And um, it's not that hard. You not just that hard. Oh, it's You can actually manage your whole profile on your phone now, your, your business profile. It's pretty awesome. Tell me about online service hours, because I don't remember how long that's been there. Online service hours. So I wonder if you've got a... Um, oh, I might. Yeah, you might have because I of I might have a ca- checkbox. Yeah, you might have one of your categories triggered that. Um, okay. What I'm I would special. say this is if you have dedicated online service hours, then you might add that there. But you probably have to trigger it like somehow I must have done and God knows how long ago I did that. Yeah, you, well, you you added the attribute. Uh, there's an attribute. So below, down below the holiday hours, there are a bunch of different attributes you can add, like access, breakfast, brunch, delivery, dinner, drive through. A lot of those probably aren't relevant. The nice thing yeah. is though is that if you click on the like, if you click on online service hours and you add, you click the learn more, it'll tell you kind of their guidelines. And I always yeah. say follow the guidelines. But it's like specific hours for things like delivery, takeout, drive through, pickup. I say. For most law firm contacts, I say do the primary hours. Try to get them, if you can answer the phone, 24 hours. Otherwise, expand the uh, answering as long as you can. 
but don't try to get too creative with the uh, service hours. But if you will do on-site uh, online appointments, check that because that will show in search results too. It'll say, you know, online appointments available. And, you know, especially in COVID, people are sensitive to that. They want to be able to access their yeah. legal person from their home. It's true. We yeah. want everything right. accessible from exactly. our home. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about some of these ancillary buttons I see here, like add a photo, messages, get reviews, bookings, and a couple of other things. Updates. Remind me to ask you how important putting an update on there and what kind of update would a law firm put. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to listen to some messages from some sponsors. I'm here with Guy Sakilakis, and we are talking about Google business profiles. Yes, yes. You have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good, it should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders, and their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. Law Cleric's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First flight program subject to eligibility requirements. All right, Guy, a couple more things to ask you about. I'm, I'm looking at, and I hope you don't think I'm not looking at you. I, am, I enjoy looking at you. You're a oh, handsome fella. Thank you. But I'm kind. over here looking at my Google business profile so I can read out loud what some of the other things are. Messaging. I love this part of Google. I've never gotten one through here because I probably don't have the type of business that does, but I have certainly used it. Like I was kind of going crazy the other day. I wanted some empanadas. I had a question. I wanted to know what the empanada of the day was at Empanola. And so I actually sent a message and someone replied pretty quickly and let me know that it was the pizza pepperoni empanada. So talk to me about messaging and let's just start there. So messaging is something, as you mentioned, you can enable on your Google business profile. It'll allow consumers to click send a message right from your Google business profile, which is, this is an interesting thing that I think is not intuitive, but a lot of people, you already told your story. I think that that story is very common where they don't even click through to your website. They're engaging with your phone information, your messaging information, your FAQ section without mm -hmm. ever clicking through. And so the big, if you're going to turn Google messaging, the business profile messaging on, couple quick things. One is you've got to have somebody answering it because same rules Better apply. Better freaking answer it. Yeah. And you're going to start seeing people are going to get frustrated because it says you're taking messages and you're not responding and they're going to publish. You got bad response rates and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to get bad reviews because they never, you never respond to your messaging thing or whatever. Good news is that you can have this uh, configured through an SNMS. And so you can get without revealing your whatever number you want mm -hmm. it to be, you can put your own cell phone number in there. 
and it will show a different number uh, publicly and in the uh, text interface, but you can essentially turn it into SMS text, which is convenient. But again, do you want to get messages at three o'clock in the morning? So if you work with somebody like Smith, you know, Smith will, uh, I believe you can configure Smith to field your message intake. I know they have a Facebook integration. So yeah, um, I was going to ask you, can I use yeah. my 24 hour virtual or remote receptionist? I don't like to say virtual because they're actually real humans most of the time. Right. Okay. So that seems pretty cool, especially if you have that type of practice and you know, that's the type of clientele you're looking for again, three o'clock in the morning. Um, what about photos and updates? I mean, update makes me feel like this is a mini blog. It is great observation. So photos, uh, this is what I like to do on photos. One is, you know, all the, I think people that haven't worked with lawyers, they're scared of them. And so putting a picture of yourself, professional headshots in there, that's like a no brainer to personalize and humanize. You know, people will say things well, like, well, I'm a new lawyer. They're going to think I'm inexperienced. I'm like, you know, you know what the best marketing advice I can give you? Just be yourself, be authentic. You can't mm -hmm. hide who you are. You don't want, it's actually not good marketing to do that. So be yourself, put some pictures up there of you practicing. Um, if you're in a jurisdiction that allows it, adding client testimonials as graphical images is really powerful because you oh, get smart. testimonial right there in your image. Looks great. Uh, video testimonial, same thing. Clients seeing your praises, other lawyers, other college, professional colleagues, referral sources talking about how awesome you are. I think that's a great thing for videos and photos. I was talking with a law firm here in New Orleans last week and they were trying to decide, well, I said, it, you know, if you put the give us a review on Yelp, Google, Facebook, no one's going to click through that. Send a personal message that says, hey, I'm so glad you're happy about the outcome. When you have a second, would you mind just giving us a positive review on? And the question was, which one do I use? And I said, well, rotate through them. Ask one client to do a Google, ask the next one to do a Yelp. But back to your point, if you get it on one platform, take a screenshot of it, make a nice pretty image of it, and then you can use it in photos in other places. Great tip, Guy. Okay. Yeah, that one works really well. You know, the other thing I will say, you know, if you do, if you have a podcast or if you're, there's other things you do in your community, maybe you're active with some local organizations or you offer a scholarship, uh, all the good work you do in your local community. Those are great things to highlight and share through images. You know, I, I think of it the same as sharing images on a social media app, right? You, it's stuff that you, as a business, what are you proud yeah. of doing, right? Um, testimonials, maybe you, maybe you put some educational things in there. Maybe you have some quick how-to videos, like this is what it's like to work with us. This is like an overview of the representation types of stuff. Keep them short, same type of rules as on social media. Yeah. Um, that's for the images and video. And then as you mentioned, there's a whole other section for updates, um, which is really their, their post feature. Uh, and I say this, you do the same thing there. Keep that yeah. active. Uh, another, uh, the uh, tinfoil hat SEO people like myself say things like, well, we believe that engagement with a profile, so users clicking on stuff, clicks to calls, messaging, clicking on uh, questions and posts, it stands to reason that Google might show those kind of listings more frequently the same way that they think about click-through rate in the on the ad side of things because Google's basically a machine that gets paid every time clicks happen. Now, even though this is organic, the same reasoning could be applied. And so the more you can get people to click into your service pages, into your uh, Google Post, Google Business Profile Post pages, into your uh, reviews, we think that that plays a role in your visibility as well. So basically, if you have, if you or someone you know is posting to your social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, just repurpose, just add it to the list, 
Google add it to the list. profiles. Yep. Add it to the list. And you can add buttons. So on your Google posts, you can add things like a button. So like a learn more button or yeah. you know, stuff like that. You can drive them Book back now. to your website. Book now. Yep. I've had, um, I put updates on there if I'm speaking somewhere. I do it as an update. If I've got an upcoming webinar on Word or something, I put those on there because Google likes knowing that I'm an active business owner. And I think it helps a lot. Talk to me real quick about the bookings section and what it takes to, because Google's very picky about who it lets add. It's because I tried. You can't do online bookings. Has to be back to this physical location situation. Unless right. they've changed something recently. No, they right. have a they have a preferred list of booking apps that they allow. So if you do free consultations, for example, you would connect it to I think Acuity might be one that it talks to. And yeah. I forget. So I kind of work else? I work around that and I would just say we so what we do is we just have a there's an appointment URL. And so we'll just put either like our Calendly oh, right, or our contact right. information right in the appointment URL. And then you can circumvent this because otherwise, you know, you can do these, um, the third party links from their booking. They have all sorts of information about it. But because we don't use any of their booking services, um, we're not really eligible from that. But I feel like they're trying yeah. to open that up a bit. Oh, Visita is one I know they use because I have Visita as one of my um, CRM. So yeah. Well, I'll let listeners sort of dive into that and decide whether or not they want to learn more about bookings. You guys, there is so much information about this product and service on the internet. It's actually insane. So if this is something that really does interest you, you could certainly Google things and go to YouTube, get lots of help. I am sure Guy and Conrad have tons of information on their websites and they talk about this stuff on their podcast all the time. I want to ask everyone, if you have more questions about Google business profiles or just kind of Google in general, send them to newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com. And I'm going to have Guy and Conrad, hopefully you guys can find some time. I know you, you're busy recording your own podcast, but I would love that. This is such helpful and useful information. I get asked about it a lot. I'm not the expert. I'm like the unexpert, uh, but you know, like I said, I, just, I manage my own. So I, I, I am able to answer some very basic questions. Guy, I want to thank you so much for your time. You've been so awesome. Any last couple tips like, oh, I don't want to forget to mention this important thing or any other sort of secrets that you might want to share I'm with just us? going to reiterate what you had mentioned is create a system for asking for reviews. Lawyers don't like to ask. They get all they squeamish don't. about it. I, it's understandable. But Amazon has trained consumers to shop on reviews. Mm -hmm. And I know lawyers who have been practicing for 35 years, you know, people would never hire me from the internet, would never look at my reviews. And let me tell you, they are, uh, it's mm -hmm. every single time, you know, someone gets your name from someone they know, they're going to go look. And one of the things that they care about is how many review, what people, other people have to say about your practice. And so that's the biggest thing. If you use a CRM system, like Adriana mentioned, you can automate a lot of this. Hey, you the case closes. You know, a lot of your clients, they're going to want to know how, hey, thank they you so want. much. I'd love to say something nice about you. Where should I go? Send them to Google first. The other thing I would add to, to and I know this is more ranty probably than you wanted, but rotate them based on the visibility of the profile for a search on your name. So go search on your name. If you've got a bunch of reviews on Google, you're good to go. See what other profiles pop up. If your Facebook page pops up, maybe it's that. If Yelp pops up, mm. maybe it's that. Because those are the places that people are going to see the reviews because they're showing up for searches on your name, which is one of the most common ways people are going to look for you. And when you say your name, you're talking about your business name? 
Depends on how you market it, right? So if you market, uh, you know, if you're marketing a trade like here in Michigan, Michigan Auto Law, that's their brand name. Then the searches so for that's what you mean at that point yeah. for your name. But if you're okay. if you're a solo that operates under your own name, then just do the searches on your name, your actual your actual name. Thank you, Guy. This has been so great. Remember, everybody, send some questions in to um, for marketing types of questions just like this. We'll have Guy and Conrad come back on in a couple of months. I mean, you guys could just be regulars on here. We could learn so much from you. We would love it. Um, one last thing. This is fair for you. Tell everybody how you can help them with their businesses and their marketing if they're looking for an expert. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, give us a call. We, we do free strategy sessions. You know, we're not going to try to sell you something you don't need. The, the, our big thing do is you build this. websites. We build websites. We optimize profiles. We manage media, you know, pretty much if it touches legal technology and the internet and marketing law practice, that's us. And we're, like I said, we're, uh, we know there's a lot of, uh, not so great stuff out there. So we're really about building forecasts, set, setting expectations, measuring things in terms of like meaningful business metrics. Um, so anywhere from helping you with a Google business profile to building a website to, uh, stuff on social media and demand generation, that's really our core focus. And so you can Google either attorney sync or Guy Sakalakis, whichever one is easier for you to spell in order to get there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You email one Adriana. Last thing, yes, email Adriana. I love sending people to the right people. Uh, one last thing I want to say, because this episode should drop before ABA Tech Show 2023, for which Guy, you are the co-chair. So if you would like to meet Guy in person, as well as many other legal technology experts, professionals, lawyers who are using technology to the hilt, I'm going to be there please make sure you go to techshow.com, learn more and come. It's a great conference. Come to Tech Show. Thank you, Adriana. You're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening to another great episode. Thanks to Guy, appreciate it. Um, if you like what you've heard today, please make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and send me a note if there's anything you'd like to hear about, any questions you have. We're going to do a mailbag episode. I'm going to at some point. But right now I'm asking you specifically for marketing questions, but you can send me anything you'd like to learn more about or a topic you'd like me to cover. We've got a lot of great guests lined up for the year, so we'll try to fit all that in. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And see you next time on New Solo. I've been running from nine to five, been biting my tongue for all this time. Won't let anyone cut me short. I was thinking this was the way to go, and you put up your pump. I say cheers to life If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.